Star Wars. This is on Star Wars, specifically Clone Wars, season seven. Star Wars. This is on Star Wars, specifically Clone Wars, episode three. Update from Skeko Minor. Padawan, Sarah, and Jedi Master Kaleen await news of General Skywalker's team on the stormy planet. Discussions on what action to take next come to a halt as a partly blocked distress signal breaks through. Clone Trooper Echo is alive! Alive! Knowing well the duplicity of the Techno Union and Foreman Wat Tambor, our heroes share a foreboding look as they are ordered to land as close as possible to the Politex to pick up the team. Will this and snare the Politex into a war they desperately hope to stay out of? Let's catch up with these two formidable Jedi as for a closer look at the Clone Wars Season 7 third episode, On the Wings of Kiradax, featuring a bunch of fucking dragons! Roar! <laughs> I love it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Welcome, ravenous streamers and culture consumers aboard Bohemian Geek Studies Millennium Fandom. I'm Padawan learner Sarah O'Connor, queen of queries, lady of literature, and defender of droids. And I'm Jedi Master Colleen McMillan, lady of loggers, Gryffindor prefect, and rebel scum collaborator. With the quick disclaimer, as always, that there's still much both Sarah and I desire to learn about Star Wars to earn the ranks that we carry. As a friendly reminder, we'll be discussing some spoilers and using some adult content-y language. So if you haven't watched episode three yet, or if you're a youngling and the idea that Echo has been mind-probed and probably probed elsewhere distresses you, tune out and come back to us when you're ready. (laughs) (laughs) So without further ado, punch it, Colleen. Yeah. Yeah. All right, listeners, let's hop into the Millennium Fandom for our episode recap. Our opening card is Survival is One Step on the Path to Living. Thank you for joining us once again on this perilous yet intriguing mission. While this episode wasn't plot heavy, it did provide us with needed information and some light war crimes activity. Just light. Just a little bit. Smidge. A little smidgy. There were plenty of funny moments as well to cut the seriousness. An opening where uh, episode two left off, we find Anakin and the Bad Batch fighting off the D-Wing droids, and they're doing their absolute best to hold them off, but are pretty much greatly outnumbered despite Anakin's prodigious skills with more droids on the way. I mean, we are hanging out at Techno Union's facility (laughs) after all. Gonna have a few droids around. Yeah, just a few. And so they flee into Echo's chamber and weld the doors shut for as long as that'll last. And Rex called in an extraction team but had a feeling that they wouldn't hear back from them. Mm -hmm. And Anakin says, quite forebodingly and tellingly, we knew when we got into this we'd be on our own. And we watch Tech needing some time to separate Echo from the stasis chamber. As all Tech people do, they need like 0.2 minutes to solve (laughs) impossible challenges and just need to go a little bit faster. Just give me one more minute. Just one more minute. But they don't have minutes to spare, Colleen, Mm -mm. as the droids begin to break through those heavy, heavy doors. And so once disconnected, phew, good work, Tech, Mm -hmm. Echo tells them all how to escape through a cooling system vent because somehow Echo has just, like, leveled up insanely. Mm -hmm. 
Mm-hmm. And Wrecker hilariously and adorably tosses all of them up, except for, of course, Anakin, who can handle it himself. Because no one, no tosses, one tosses a Jedi. A Jedi. <laughs> Of into event, and he is almost annihilated by the Techno Union's decimator droid that we'll talk about later. And so the team makes this daring escape onto Kiradax, called somehow by Tech's miraculous technology once again, somehow mm-hmm. able <laughs> to pull a Chris Pratt Velocipaster <laughs> moment. And they make their way to the Politech village. (laughs) Rex inspires the Politechs to help them fight off the encroaching droid forces. And fortunately, our heroes prevail this time. However, Echo eerily kind of watches Rex board the Havoc Marauder as though he knows something the others don't. And guess what? He probably does because he's got a super computer in his brain. Mm -hmm. Colleen, break down our theme for us. All right. So our episode's theme today is survival, which is highlighted in that episode opening tagline. This phrase caught my attention in two ways, connecting it to an earlier Clone Wars episode and to Jedi Kanan Jarrus from Star Wars Rebels. So spoilers, spoilers, spoilers. Spoilers. Some spoilers coming up. I mean, if you've seen episode one of the Clone Wars, you're good on that one. If you haven't watched parts of Rebels, please go. You know what to do. You know what to do. (laughs) We only tell you every episode like five times. Okay, so the first guy is in season one, episode one, you guys. Episode one of Clone Wars. Yoda is besieged by droids on this mission with three clone troopers. And one piece of advice he gives to the leader of this group, Lieutenant Thire, is rush not into war. Only by surviving it will you prevail. So this is all back in episode freaking one. We're talking about survival and how Plots it's important. Plots and schemes. Plots I and love schemes. A good, I love a good They have an outline, guys. Yeah, that's beautiful. That's beautiful. We well spotted, Colleen. Love it. Love it. And then for Rebels, this is going to be season two, episode 20. And Kanan is talking to Ezra Bridger. This is his hot-headed Padawan who pretty much just wants to run into battle and disaster. He's Very Wrecker-ish. Very Wrecker at this point in his journey. Kanan says, you win by surviving. So Kanan spent half of his life hiding in the shadows, trying not to do, like, trying to do everything that he could to survive. And Yoda gives that similar advice, though he knows the clones have to fight. Like, they really don't have a choice at this point it was what they were made to do but he teaches caution and intelligence over using weapons and brute strength so then also as i was doing more research shockingly after watching that clone wars episode one with yoda and thyre i found another connection that i didn't remember from before and thyre is actually in revenge of the sith he is the clone commander who is ordered by Palpatine and Mazameda to go search for Yoda after Yoda loses his duel to Palpy because they didn't cool. find his body. So right. Thire is the commander of the Coruscant Guard Division at this time. He's higher up. And despite his history and relationship with Yoda, this bonding moment they had all the way back in Clone Wars Season 1, he complies with Palpatine's orders immediately. Doesn't blink. Just a bad egg. Yeah, I mean, they really had no choice if they didn't have their chip removed, but still, I'm like, come on, guys, please, any any one of you, please, just come on. So then, for this episode, survival is of the utmost importance. Anakin, Rex, and the rest of our crew need to survive in order to bring Echo home, because he's got this vital inside information 
on the techno union's exploits. And then the gang must work with the Politech if they wish to survive. But Echo is our one chief survivor here. Absolutely. He's a survivor. He's gonna make up. Yeah, I wish we could come up with like a clever Destiny's Child Echo song, but I digress. <laughs> Whether it is the Techno Union um, keeping him alive or some other innate will to live, Echo has absolutely survived one of the most harrowing experiences any clone war combatant has faced and certainly we'll be talking about Mm -hmm. this in the homage section when it comes to surviving Mm -hmm. chambers like that echo came out pretty (laughs) strong and chipper so we'll break a few of those little Mm sci-fi references that um we've seen before and we'll probably see again as clones come more and more important at least seemingly with kind of the Mandalorian stuff and mm-hmm. baby Yoda and all that. And mm-hmm. so Echo, when he comes out, he does so with poise, humor, and absolute bravery. Surviving his captivity is the first step towards moving on with his life. But, and we'll talk about this in the, I've got a bad feeling about this. What life is Echo going to be going back to And will our guy survive past Order 66? And so on that super chipper note, we are going to zip to our seven holocrons, our repository of knowledge. Kick us off on our setting and location. Anything new to report? All right. (laughs) Most importantly. (laughs) Really, no. There is really nothing new to report. We're picking off right where we left off. So there's not much to add. We're still on Skeko Minor, the city of Perkle, controlled by the Techno Union. And then there's also the Poltec Village that'll come into play. And it time frame is directly after the ending of, Z- of Episode 2. Yep. So we're going to move right along to our next holocron. Zip into who is here. Anyone new that we should be paying attention to? Or again, are we in a rehash mash? We are definitely in a rehash mash. We're with the same people we left off with, and that is who we end with also for this episode. But since we're seekers of knowledge, let's get a little bit further into what we didn't get to see much of. Yeah, so one of the things is kind of, at least me for a Padawan, is understanding a little bit of what's going on kind of behind the scenes when it comes to who's able to make these kind of decisions. Last episode, we talked like, who the fuck is in charge of the Bad Batch? Mm -hmm. And Anakin remains the sole Jedi in this episode, even though backup is desperately needed. Mm -hmm. What's going on here with the hierarchy in Mm -hmm. place, Colleen? Who's allowed to make these decisions on what should be happening next, including moving the plot forward? Right. (laughs) Like you said, there is still this hierarchy in place, and Anakin kind of busted it here again, like he is wont to do. But he also shows some restraint in this episode in wanting to follow up with his superiors before proceeding for asking for the extraction team. Yeah. Rex says he did call in for support. He didn't hear back from anybody. Um, This made me think that Obi-Wan was on an axis to tell Anakin to abandon the mission. Gotcha. Which Anakin totally sensed was coming and just kind of brushed off and w- walked away from Obi-Wan before he could get the message out. So per usual, shocking no one, he took on the mission himself. Yep. 
And so our clone soldiers, what was kind of nice, although whether it deserved its own separate episode is questionable, it was nice seeing all the crew working together better than ever, fighting mm-hmm. through the Jord forces. And again, we're just going to keep talking about this because it's a relief to see our boy Echo back. Whether or not there's something nefarious going on that'll break our hearts later, right now in this moment, it's pretty awesome seeing him being so flippin' chipper. And maybe it's just that freedom tastes so flippin' sweet to this guy. It's mm-hmm. lovely seeing parts of his personality still intact, um, though sometimes he's still weak and confused. And frankly, I'm, <laughs> I'm not surprised by that and was a little no. bit surprised how strong he came out I know there was a particular quote that you were fond of Colleen why don't you address Mm -hmm. that here yep this happens right after he's finally disconnected from the mainframe and (laughs) he's talking to Rex and he he makes a joke and he says I've got like a hell of a headache yeah (laughs) (laughs) which is hysterical and of course freaking Wreckers in the background like grinning like oh just a headache no big deal I kind of like this guy. Like he's not this usual rag that we're used to. So then, Rex says to him, "Better to feel something than nothing, old buddy." And it's it's really sweet. And Rex's face in this moment was just like he's really thinking he has his friend back immediately. Yeah, and I really hope that's true. Absolutely. Oh, I have to add in too. Crosshair, my dude, you're off my shit list this week for having. So you saved so many people during the Politech droid battle, but we are still watching you, mister. We're watching you for sure, especially when it comes to bringing the battle to the people that you're saving. <laughs> so it's, yeah. we'll talk about that. It's one of those kind of salty victories, I suppose. Um, who, Pyrrhic victory. Yeah. <laughs> so who are our heroes and villains? Speaking of victories, because let's give it up to the Politech people. When our motley crew shows back up at their village, the chieftain is rightly <laughs> angered. He pissed. Yeah, because mm. they promised to leave the planet once they had Echo. Who do they have? Echo. Instead, they flew back to the village with the droids in close pursuit, making everyone that lives there mm-hmm. targets. Yes. And so, I mean, I love a good impassioned speech by Rex. Definitely. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. And it worked to an extent because the chieftains and villagers mustered admirable courage and agreed to help them fight. But like, yo, in the critics corner, we're going to talk more about the ethics in involving them because all those kooky ethics, man. Yeah, not (laughs) not great, even though there is a compelling argument kind of like, listen, it's coming. It's kind of one of those reoccurring things that you Mm -hmm. see time and time again in Star Wars and you can't help but go like yeah it is true in light of what does happen war Mm -hmm. is coming you either fight now or you get die later yeah so Rex says why don't you again take this quote away Colleen because it's Mm. a it's a pretty beautiful one that you pulled out and it is a great speech like Rex is really becoming a great orator yeah he says to the Politex about Echo They took away his freedom, his humanity. They tried to turn him into a machine. The techno union claims it's neutral, but they have chosen sides. Now your people have to choose. He's trying to inspire this reaction in the indigenous people to assist them in battling the droids. 
It's really effective. The Politech are horrified by Echo's appearance. Yeah. And they agree to help, like, right away. Yep. And I have to give our special little shout out to Theseus Commander from Fantastic Beasts when he tells his younger brother, Newt, that everyone has to choose a side in these kind of situations. Yeah. You gotta love the the Theseus Commanders, the Samwise Gamgees, who are noble in the face of danger. Mm-hmm. You know, you don't... Gotta get our shit done, man. Yeah. <laughs> And speaking of getting our shit done, these yeah. villains who are trying to get shit done, Foreman, Wat Tambor, and the Techno Union, ugh, these guys, they only become more villainous in this episode, deploying the decimator droid that we're going to talk about in just a moment that fortunately is totally ineffective. But what is totally effective to the Watcher is the idea that these are bad, bad motherfuckers truckers because <laughs> I, like they're so bad that i won't even say that word they mm-hmm. th- what tambor says they took it techno union property that's no it that's echo my guy bring back my mm-hmm. experiment experiment nah that's mm-hmm. that's echo and so they're worried about their profit margins here maybe they should get an effective machine to decimate mm-hmm. things as we move to our third holocron, the cool contraption. Colleen, why don't you kind of break down our analysis as to why we decided to do a merger of cool item and cool creature for this episode and in- instead change it to cool contraption? All right, you guys, dear listeners, since we didn't have the new creature there wasn't this like super shiny new item for us to dig deeply into. We're going to shake it up. We're going to combine these two holocrons with the cool contraption. Now we do see those feisty little Kyrdek dragons again. Don't even get me started. I gasped so hard when the one was killed later in the episode. Yeah. I was appalled. <laughs> How dare they? <laughs> All the Politech people are dying in the background and I'm like, no, the dragon. <laughs> the dragon. So... Okay, so we're going to focus on this organic decimator droid instead of going for a creature. Because I don't really want to call him an item either. Yeah. He has a little bit of sentience, sentience as a droid. Yep. So also, though, since the OD was trying to kill our guys, we're not going to defend him in our yeah. defense of droids no, this, section either. Yeah, this decimator gets no defense from us, but it totally gets mm-hmm. a nod as a worthy holocron in and of itself. Um, yes. Because it visually looked cool but ultimately at least how it was portrayed in the episode fell a little bit flat yes i think they could have done a lot more with it yeah so what did it remind you of calling kind of first Mm. of all within the star world star wars world say that five times fast Mm -hmm. star wars world yeah that's a hard one (laughs) all right so this like little whirly death ball reminded me of the training remotes that the Jedi used to train younglings. Like mm-hmm. Luke is seen trying to fight off really ineffectually in A New Hope. Yep. Except this one has exponentially more firepower. They have these little, those purple energy tentacles. Yeah. And those tentacles could vaporize organic material in an instant if they touched it. And it looked very the, cool. Yeah. Like if you It does. It looks really cool. If you've ever been to a Spencer's shop in the mall <laughs> back in the day, mm-hmm. you might have been like, "Oh, could I buy an organic decimator droid before my party?" <laughs> mhm. Yep. Along with your incense. I yeah, mean, yeah, definitely. It's like a disco ball of doom. Of doom. A disco ball of doom. Yes. 
So what I thought was more intriguing and interesting for this droid in the original story reel, those mock-ups, Wat Tambori uses the decimator on a Politech prisoner. He's So mm-hmm. he's attempting to intimidate Anakin and the clones into surrendering. And like, it's arguably really, really dark. Yeah, because it, it turns the... Pol- my understanding is, I didn't watch it, mm-hmm. but my understanding is on YouTube in the original version, it it turned the Politech person totally into goo. Yeah. And Disney it vaporizes like, them. Yeah. Yes. So they're like, nah, we can totally have a, an emaciated human pop out of a, a chamber, chamber. Yeah. like a Frankenstein monster. That's, that's still within our PG mm-hmm. rating, <laughs> but yep. we draw the line at vaporization. Yeah. If you can see the red mist, we're going to cut it guys. Yeah, and so that's that's a really great analogy, Colleen, where it was just kind of like, this is one step too far too mm-hmm. dark. As someone who doesn't have any kids and wouldn't plan on having my kids watch this, I kind of wish mm-hmm. that we got to see that in this. Yes. Um, but I understand the executive choice, so I suppose in my head canon, mm-hmm. that did happen, and so now yes. I'm more They had to test it on somebody. Decimator. Yeah. Yeah. They had to test it on somebody. So I'm guessing a lot of villagers have probably gone missing, which is another yeah. that would have given another reason for the chieftain to join them so quickly. Yeah. See, and I like that more, too, Colleen. Mm-hmm. Like if they have a common enemy, it makes so much more sense than them just falling into line after they see Echo, even though it is horrific. They don't know Echo. Right. They don't know. Right. So if they had missing people and they thought that the Titan Union was turning their people into Echo narratively that would have made more sense yeah i i agree with you colleen because one of the one of the biggest critiques i think overall that i've seen and that when we talk to people about this already so new in its release is the idea of like this was substantively 18 minutes that could have arguably just been two extra minutes on episode two Mm -hmm. But for that deleted scene, so that's that's a tough shake because to me right now, without the hindsight of this fourth and final episode mm-hmm. in this singular arc, as well as the remaining episodes in this arc, it just alone falls a little bit flat. And that mm-hmm. would have made it a lot sexier from a character development standpoint, for sure. Exactly. So, Exactly. Just pretend it exists, folks. Exactly. It exists out yeah. there somewhere in the galaxy. <laughs> mm-hmm. Well, and it's kind of hard. We don't know if this is the only decimator because Wrecker destroys it. Like he wreaks his trademark trademark havoc in the lab and it explodes, y'all. Yeah. So we don't know if we're going to see it again. So now I think is a great time for us to move to our what is for this episode fourth holocron and that's our homage section and Colleen you do a lot more thriller horror kind of <laughs> uh, I love a scary movie yeah you you love it so I'm gonna let you take the lead on this and maybe I'll probe you a little bit because I but I not had in a, a weird way shout outs nope, yeah no but not in, in the echo way. probey way exactly. <laughs> The consensual probing mm-hmm. only, and and I would say the oral probing, but that doesn't get any. <laughs> that doesn't help that you. That doesn't get any better. <laughs> nah. <laughs> so abort, abort, abort. What's our first homage? Okay, so our first little homage that we're going to is the film Aliens. Much of this episode's DNA comes from this James Cameron movie. 
the Bad Batch retreat into Echo's chamber, and they're using this scanning technology that they have in their goggles, this thermographic imaging that can they can see the Techno Union Skakuen guys and the D-Wing battle droids approaching, much like yeah. the Space Marines do in the Aliens film on planet LV-426. And they're watching the xenomorphs attack in their position, which is really super eerie. It's not quite as scary, per se, in Clone Wars, because they're droids, so we know they're not not quite as dangerous. I thought, like, it's kind of weird that the droids were showing up on thermographic imaging, so they must have some sort of thermal signal. Otherwise, they wouldn't be able to be seen. And then the Skakowins are giving off this immense heat signature, which is kind of weird because it's like, well, they're amphibious. Are they cold-blooded? Are they warm-blooded? What's happening? Is it their suits yeah. that are giving off this energy? But it was a really cool Is it just cool the image. artists who aren't as dorky as Colleen? Mm-hmm. We just don't Shit. know. But what, yeah, <laughs> but what we do know is Colleen needs to be called in for these kind of questions. Mm-hmm. Dave, Mr. Filoni, <laughs> yeah. I am open for questions. <laughs> open for all the questions. Okay, so our next Aliens callback is Wrecker. Wrecker just showing off this episode, loving it. Yeah. He deploys all those explosive charges in the lab because he's going to destroy this experiment. He has saw he saw what it did to Echo. He likes Echo. Echo's a fun guy. So he's like, Wrecker. I'm just going to blow this shit up. This is like Vasquez and Lieutenant Gorman sacrificing themselves in Aliens to stop the Xenomorphs from continuing their attack. And then the droids also have that kind of ostrich bug-like appearance with the spindly arms and legs. So they're much funnier than the xenomorph aliens and they're way less likely to rip off your face. Yeah, it's it's definitely a little more kid friendly. Speaking of the difference between adult and kid. And do you know, Colleen, since you said much of this episode's DNA comes from James Cameron's Mm -hmm. films, have people gone on record noting those kind of homage references or influences? I mean, you can definitely tell that they're pulling from different genres here. And some of it might be conscious and some of it is probably unconscious just because you you see so much content and you're drawing all these ideas from... Absolutely. You think you're drawing them from the ether or from your own creativity when in reality there isn't that many super actual creative thoughts. So you're kind of just putting your own spin on a trope that's already been used before. And it still is used to great effect here. I mean... This is an excellent sequence. I love it trapped inside a small space sequence trying to escape. It's great. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, speaking of being influenced, I immediately, when I saw the Decimator, thought, oh, this is the world, the War of Worlds robots that come and zap people Mm -hmm. into dust Mm -hmm. Um, with the, the Tom Cruise movie that had originally been a radio show that really freaked out people who really genuinely thought that there was an alien invasion which Orson Welles man just causing a panic on the eastern seaboard yeah Orson Welles my (laughs) guy what a thriller and then also a little shout out to um, the Pixar movie The Incredibles the Mm -hmm. cave moment syndromes omnidroid I'm pronouncing that right Colleen right yes omnidroid yeah when he comes in and he like searches the floating orb, mm-hmm. I do circles for my artwork. Mm-hmm. Circles are everywhere in art, and I'm always yes. fascinated to see how they're portrayed. Mm-hmm. I also was reminded 
during the battle scene, especially when what appeared to be the wooden ladder and the Politech people are fighting in the valley. It looked to me almost like a flash from the Battle of Isengard with mm. all the Ents and mm -hmm. the natural versus the machine. Yes. And you see that time and time again in things like Avatar, etc., etc., etc. And so advanced that's advanced weapons against this quote unquote primitive weaponry. Yeah, and so there is a honest critique there to to say, okay, what's going to be new about this mm -hmm. then? Um, so I like kind of what we're going to be talking about later, how how the Politech people may come into play in the future mm -hmm. because if it's just this, kind of like the critique with the Mandalorian, that visit to the to the indigenous people mm -hmm. and there was that moment of respite. It's it's kind of like Let's let's be a little bit more conscientious yes. when we use these what is kind of classically now tropey outdone mm -hmm. yep. moments. Like, g give me something more. Give yeah. me a little bit more. The big plot city comes to the rural area and saves everyone. Yeah, been there, seen that. Mm -hmm. Anakin, let's let's slay a storyline, shall we? <laughs> exactly. Exactly. What's your other one, Colleen, before oh, yeah. we move on to the next I had section? the one other one. Um, this TV show with Noah Wiley from ER was called Falling Skies. And it was about an alien invasion of Earth that was pretty successful. The show featured children, Earth children, were fitted with these parasitic tech kind of monster things on their spines that would then yeah, hook into their brainstem to control their actions. And this looks so much like Echo's implants. And also, circling back to Mr. Cameron, because of course we are, the spinal implant also resembles an alien facehugger. Yes, absolutely. You know, and I was trying to place it mm -hmm. until you said it. Spot flipping on. Just that kind of, it's it's a rape, basically, like rape imagery with the facehugger. Yeah. And it's the same thing for this thing that they have attached to Echo, which is taking away every single ounce of his personality. Yep, without consent. And his will. Yep. Yep. So now that we're feeling really icky mm -hmm. on the inside, mm -hmm. let's move on to our next holocron. The mm -hmm. comeuppance is coming, though. Mm -hmm. Darth Plotius. <laughs> and I'm really, really excited about this one mm -hmm. because you and... Some of my other friends, again, with this kind of more extended universe stuff, I took it for granted as more of a casual fan. And now that I'm getting into it further and further, mm -hmm. for this Darth Plotius, we're going to be talking about what happened to Wat Tambor on Mustafar because where we are right now, he's alive He's worried about the bottom line, mm -hmm. and he plans on recouping his losses. And so, dear listener, Colleen and I are like, <laughs> losses? We're ready for him to, like, Die. lose his head. <laughs> like, call me Joffrey Baratheon, but, like... Sir so Ellen, bring me his head. <laughs> yeah, bring us his head. So... Colleen, what do we know that may or may not have happened on Mustafar? Like, why are we here mm -hmm. on this podcast? Give me something that we don't yet know. What's that kernel of knowledge that we're after? Okay. 
So this one was a little bit harder because I couldn't quite remember exactly what happened. I thought that we saw Wat Tambor in Revenge of the Sith. So we went back and we had some assistance from Brendan, which was like, yes, thank you, Brendan. You can just like just see him if you're watching Revenge of the Sith when Anakin is sent to Mustafar by Palpatine to go and freaking slaughter everybody that's in the Separatist Union. So then, yeah, just a yeah. nice afternoon out. Just, yep, it's fine. Lava planet. We're just going to kill some people. This is great. So you kind of have to play this little where's Wat Tambor hide and seek game, but you can see him. He's like cowering behind a table because of course he is. Of course he is. Yeah. Yes. And, and so we also went to good old Google mm-hmm. and were able to confirm that the Star Wars databank website canonically confirms his death. Mm-hmm. Stating, quote, Tambor was on Mustafar when Darth Vader arrived with orders to eliminate his leadership. And Vader impales our dude, mm-hmm. our evil techno-union leader, with a lightsaber killing him. Yep. Ah, yep. delicious. Yep. And further in the film's official novelization, it's described um, even better in my very evil <laughs> Delight, I suppose. Die, trash. Desire for his death. Yeah. <laughs> Quote, the head of the techno union turned at his, a.k.a. Vader's approach, cringing, arms lifted to shield his faceplate from the flames in the dragon's eyes. Mm. Please, he implores Vader. I'll give you anything, anything you want. The blade flashed twice. Tambor's arms fell to the floor followed by his head and Vader says thank you oh so in other words he gave Anakin what he wanted yes (laughs) yes and so if you're like us and you want to learn about a few of the other small subtle differences or the portrayals of this simply google sci-fi sci-fi dot stack exchange and kind of what uh, does Watt Tambor actually die? Mm-hmm. Those were kind of our two favorite, and we don't want to belabor all the delicious deaths, mm-hmm. but there's a few other subtle little differences mm-hmm. if you want to go out and find them. Mm-hmm. And so, since we're turning to a robot to find additional information, let's turn to our last. Holocron of Knowledge, the Defender of Droids, where we join all the great leadership and the followers that have come on with us into the DLDO, the Droid Liberation and Defense Organization. Huzzah! Huzzah. So since this episode was a little bit rehashy, mm-hmm. Colleen, what did we do to provide our listeners with a little bit more than just repeating what everyone had the benefit of watching okay so we did get two really cool kind of new droids here we have the decimator and then we have that octoptara which was the kind of octopus war of the world's tripod droid and these guys are kind of on that vein of droid who lack the advanced sentience sentience. at least from we can deduce from the episode they don't seem to be as aware as the b1s and the d-wings so we get our cute little D-Wings again. We get, they're so cute. They're little spindly legs. And so they have wings, though. We finally get to see them fly. 
Those wings are so really visually delicious. So cool. They're so beautiful. Yeah. Like, are they solar powered? Because that matrix on the wings looks like they could be solar powered. Yeah, and so I tried to find this online, mm. and Wikipedia doesn't say how they're powered. They look a little bit solar-powered, like Colleen said, based on the paneling. Mm-hmm. Um, and StarWars.com only tells us the following. An alternative to the Separatist standard B-1 battle droid, a legion of spindly D-1 security droid guards the tower base at Perkle. Hello, hi, we know mm-hmm. this. Hidden among their slender mechanical frames or folded wings that allowed them to zoom through the atmosphere in pursuit of other winged creatures like the Kiridax. Mm-hmm. And so that's that's a nice little nugget that fleshes out kind of what Colleen was talking about with respect to the designs looking like the Purple people as well as the Kiridax. Mm-hmm. It's a, it's an arguably smart move by the Techno mm-hmm. Union. It's an homage if, to their fellow to yes to whom they're trying to take over (laughs) Mm -hmm. and so listeners if you are geekier than us or if you have a particular theory especially if you can back it up i couldn't find it but i'm only a padawan surpass me impress us teach us more about what these wings are or if you have a fun little nugget about one of the droids that we've already covered share it in what we're moving on to our next section, our master and apprentice. And I think, Colleen, to shake things up and to hopefully continue to encourage our listeners to dive in with us, why don't we start with our listener Sloan's question? Ooh, yes. Um, even though this had nothing to do with the episode, we are here to dive into things that you guys care about and we care about. And she wanted to know more about lightsabers underwater. Mm-hmm. So, Colleen, why don't you tell us a little bit about, like, first of all, can this even be done? Mm-hmm. And if so, did we get to see it? And if we got to see it, where could we see it? Yes, this was a great question from Sloan. She's yeah. just going through her first watch of the uh, Clone Wars series and she was like how the hell are they igniting these lightsabers underwater like that is a really good question question. (laughs) really good question that is the kind of question we are looking for yep okay and so where maybe maybe we start with where where Mm -hmm. probably is she in Clone Wars Colleen she I'm guessing is in season four like beginning of season four the arc where they're on Mon the okay, home yep. planet, water planet of the Mon Calamari people and the Corrin, which is yep. basically all underwater. And there yep. are Jedi there. So it's like, how are they doing this? How are they igniting their <laughs> lightsabers underwater? Okay, so after some... Because yeah, because before you get the answer, because there mm-hmm. is an answer, yes. one might think, shouldn't the water around it boil? Mm-hmm. Or shouldn't it short out? Yes. Or even though it it um, channels the force in some regard, mm-hmm. so it's natural. Is it not impacted by water just like it's not impacted through certain different kinds of planetary atmospheres? So it's yes. totally a fair, fair question. Super fair question. Like, this is a laser sword. How is it operating underwater? So there is a reason that it works. It is a bifurcating cyclical ignition pulse, also called waterproof casing. 
This is a pulse that enabled the lightsaber to activate underwater with the help of two kyber crystals. So without these special modifications, the lightsaber submerged underwater would short out. And then it would require all these minor repairs before it would work again. So Jedi Kit Fisto, shout outs to our Kit Fisto fans out there because he rocks. He used this tech. He's accustomed to needing to fight underwater. So he added his knowledge of this waterproof casing to this great holocron that's in the Jedi Temple in Coruscant so that other Jedi could retrofit their sabers for underwater combat, which you do see in that Mon Cala arc because Anakin and Ahsoka have to use their sabers underwater. And ultimately, this modification became widely used by the Jedi during the Clone Wars. As we continue to get more content, the world does get so beautifully enriched. Mm -hmm. And so before the Clone Wars, this, I don't think, unless it was in the comics, hadn't been canonized. Mm -hmm. And so you do get to see some of our favorite Jedi use these things and by 24 ABY Luke's students Mm -hmm. aka Luke Skywalker were creating lightsabers with the pulse as part of their regular design Mm -hmm. instead of being an add-on so eventually Jedi were like you know what um why don't we just like (laughs) always make sure that we can (laughs) fight underwater (laughs) just in case we need to do a splishy splash Mm mm-hmm So thank you, thank you, thank you so much, Sloan, for that excellent question. Again, if you, like Sloan, have questions, um, even if you think maybe Google could answer this, let us explore that with you Mm -hmm. and shoot us an email to bohemiangeekstudies at gmail.com. Moving to one of my questions, Colleen, Mm -hmm. um, a little bit darker, so Mm -hmm. shift up your emotional barometer. I'm ready. When looking at what happened to Echo, when thinking kind of what happened to Palpatine and the news Mm -hmm. that Palpatine was a clone (laughs) and he's connected Mm -hmm. to all this kind of machinery. Mm Mm-hmm. Have we seen these kind of stasis chambers before? Would casual fans of just the movies know of this? Where, mm-hmm. where, if at all, do we see this kind of thing happening in the galaxy? Right. So the first instinct I had was to think about when Han Solo gets frozen in carbonite, which they use a lot. So it's basically a person trapped in a stasis where they can't get out. But it's not quite the same thing because they're not being used in any way except for maybe a wall hanging on a hut palace somewhere. Yeah. So I went a little <laughs> bit deeper and I found the... Um, I know, a little right? light decorating. <laughs> Just some decorations. <laughs> you know, it's his like, favorite. Yeah, most, <laughs> you can't take it. <laughs> most like pleasure palaces have portraits of family members mm-hmm. or like really frou-fou-y dogs or something. But like <laughs> at my pleasure palace, I just have frozen people hanging yep. on the walls in case, mm-hmm. in case you know, you want to bring them out as... Right. Exactly. Yeah, as, as one is wont to do. <laughs> mm-hmm. We're looking at you, Jabba, right now. Yeah. <laughs> so going away from <laughs> our hilarity with frickin' Mr. The Hut, we've got... These Imperial tech workers that use this thing called an A, it's like AJ with that little carroty symbol six, and it's a cyborg implant. Now in Rebels, Sabine tells Ezra in season one that these implants were voluntary. We don't know if later they became mandatory as the rebellion was growing and the Empire was kind of being like, eh, we kind of need you guys to be computers now, so we're just going to make this mandatory. 
the and emphasis on voluntary yeah, changes. Exactly. <laughs> like you signed the waiver. So this tech stuff was attached to the back of a person's head and it increased their productivity while decreasing their personality. And in Rebels, this is where Sabine had been talking to Ezra about this device. Ezra's family friend Zebo voluntarily here attached the implant while he was trying to infiltrate the Empire to get news on Ezra's parents. He's and then one there's of the a sweetest no- guys ever. Yes, Zebo is actually a sweet character. I wish he had shown up more in yeah. Rebels. Maybe in our Rebels sequel, Dave Filoni. Yeah. Wink, wink, nudge, nudge. We know you're listening, sir. (laughs) (laughs) You must be listening, right? Please. So that another Rebels character, this guy was a villain. So he's a villainous Imperial intelligence officer called LT-319. He used this enhanced... Oh, I love that name. I know, right? It's so sexy. LT-319. He kind of looks like Paul Giamatti in the um, (laughs) cartoon. And he's kind of a that douchey Paul Giamatti character as well. He uses his <laughs> mental capacity through this implant to try and infiltrate the ghost by taking over beloved droid Chopper. Mm-hmm. Get out of Chopper's head, y'all. It's okay. He dies horribly. And he deserved it. Yeah. And then finally, more people might know about this guy. So he's in Empire Strikes Back. His name is Lobot. And he is Lando Calrissian's tactical assistant on Bespin. He's got this big kind of half circle half moon implant on the back of his head and that's where most people would probably recognize that kind of your brain has been taken over by technology and being used against your will basically although lobot under lando's control slash care is not in that scenario he's loyal to lando okay cool but like voluntary loyal or Wink, wink, voluntary loyal. Well, according to the comics, he's loyal because he's okay. he like he like falls in love with someone, but then he he chooses to stay with Lando. I mean, oh. it's kind of like Han and Chewie, I think, situation. Yeah. So Lobot is more like Lando's Chewie. Yeah, yeah. And then and then of course, again the the Palpatine clone mm-hmm. grandpa reveal yep. situation. Yep. He is hanging off that big catheter and being like run by machines basically at this point. Not a good look. And Mm-mm. and one thing, just because uh, I'm I'm wanting to do a good job here with this podcast, and I know that there's so much for me to learn. I dipped my little toe into mm-hmm. the YouTube world. Yes. And one of the things that I watched some videos on. Because I was really confused. Well, okay, if Palpatine can just clone himself, doesn't that just... Mm -hmm. It it becomes one of those problems that a lot of authors, creators face when people become too powerful. Like, Mm -hmm. okay, so what's the limit then? How do you check Palpatine? Mm -hmm. Like, where does this... What have you? And so it turns out that in the clone process, when it comes to force users... Something in that process, the midichlorians Mm. enhance the aging process Mm -hmm. so that someone like Palpatine with these insane powers, all of these midichlorians are like, nom, 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 eat all Mm -hmm. your age, nom, 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 nom. So that if you get cloned like Palpy, you only get to live for like a year. So you're just shucking through shells. That's that Mm -hmm. was my understanding. Body hopping. 
Yeah, so if any of you were feeling like me, kind of frustrated at this idea of like insurmountable power, mm-hmm. don't worry. The Star Wars Extended Universe has an answer for that. And mm-hmm. and that was making me feel better about that kind mm-hmm. of reveal in yep. one of the most recent movies mm-hmm. when it comes to the clone process. Yep. And that kind of advanced aging, we see that in a few of the clone regimens. Yep. yep. But it's not something that affects the clone's in the same way as it would with a force user. So yes, clones have shortened lives and yes, certain clones who are being tinkered with further have even shorter lives than that. But it's, I do like that it's different between a force user and a non force user. Well, and it makes more sense then that he would want Ray to be his basically body since she's already a force user is a blood relative can contain his essence. It may, his plan makes more sense then I mean, yep. we could have used that in the movie, JJ, but we're we're just gonna walk slowly away from that. <laughs> and thank and thank you for all that you've done, like bowing yes. and thank you. Yes, as, we still love we, you, JJ. Yes. We just could have used a few short minutes on yeah, that just topic. A little bit of explanation. Mm-hmm. Um, and so speaking of things that don't necessarily deserve further explanation, but because I just have to, Colleen, my second question is. Do I want to know what's under those <laughs> what tambour robes? Right. Because he's f- they're like floating around. Mm-hmm. All I see are your creepy little frog eyes. Yes. Do I want to know what's going on? What's under there? Probably not. It's probably like some horrific Skeksis dark crystal monster underneath there. Yeah. <laughs> so the Skekwins, they have to wear these pressure suits to simulate their native atmosphere when they're off planet. And otherwise, they're going to explode yep. <laughs> because in a different atmosphere, their bodies cannot handle that pressure. And so if they have the suits, they just seem to wear them wherever they go, which also gives them that air of mystery that they like. Yeah. And then they like flare it up with those really sweet, chic, velvety robes, big Palpatine energy there with the robes. So very few beings have seen what's under there. Yeah. <laughs> so, which makes me think they probably don't want to. No, probably not. It's, it's probably it's, not pretty. The lights are off. <laughs> yeah. Like, mm, mm-hmm. Yep. We're going to leave the Mandalorian helmet on for this one. And then so the suits also seemingly allow them to float along the ground, which it looks like they're levitating, but I think it's just the suit kind of moving them around. Gotcha. 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 Mm-hmm. Um, And then I suppose our last question for you, dear listeners, is how did you like the commercial at the end of episode one? Because Colleen and I have been enjoying creating a few little jokey things, but we're not quite sure where they fit into the episode yet. Mm-hmm. And so we're hoping from time to time to encourage some laughs and maybe a real live sponsor someday and mm-hmm. take a page out of Techno Union's love of capitalism. So let us know and like <laughs> especially big props if any of you guys have a really silly one. Like mm-hmm. ultimately we'll decide if we're like, nah, that's <laughs> that's a little too That nasty. goes even dirtier for us than we <laughs> yes. were willing to go. <laughs> but we are open to submissions especially ones that revel in fandom that's Mm -hmm. something we have a great feeling about Mm -hmm. what as we pivot to our next section do we have a bad feeling about critics corner 
to not belabor this, we kind of already talked about this. So let me know if there's anything we're kind of missing, Colleen. But first and foremost, was this episode even necessary? Maybe, maybe not. Could have been condensed since other things should have been taken out. And hopefully, we're hoping to come to love this episode mm-hmm. if if we have the benefit of hindsight and these future episodes that it helps build on this inhibitor chip story and like what mm-hmm. fives went through what echo is going to be going through mm-hmm. M- maybe it'll help flesh out um the o- obi-wan anakin duel on Mustafar mm-hmm. that some people are clamoring for but Colleen y- you brought up a great point we've seen that yes I'm ready for something fresh so mm-hmm. it'll be maybe we actually get to see Vader slaying Wat Tambor or mm-hmm. more of that more of the stuff we, we haven't seen yeah that's what we want so even though this 18-minute episode wasn't exactly a wait-a-week TV, it's mm-hmm. totally a I'll eat a whole pizza in my jammy jams and <laughs> yep. go on a Star Wars bender. Yes. Worthy. Anything further, Colleen, on that point? Not on that part. I think we will come to appreciate this episode more once we have the full four-episode arc and it yep. fits into the puzzle a little bit better. How about um, you take ahead on our second bad feeling, Colleen? Oof, this is a doozy, you guys. So, war crimes. Another really super light, airy theme that we're going to talk about for this episode. Yeah, so, and I only laugh because oof. I'm uncomfortable. So, like, yes, for the this record, is an uncomfortable when I'm uncomfortable, laughter. I giggle. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, warm crimes are not funny. No. Um, we just find it... We're nervous. Maybe... It's nervous laughter. Yeah. Clones. Bad Batch. Stop it. Yeah. Why, why are you even mm-hmm. fighting? Why are you giving up the high ground? Why are the villagers on the rim? <laughs> mm-hmm. Why are why is the Bad Batch apparently the best fighters in the galaxy able to like just do their one push rock big? They got one move? rock, man. That's all they got. They have one boulder. It's like, what are they? What are you even doing? Yes. <laughs> What's happening? We've already used this. They're these trigger happy guys i mean i am glad to see some character development where they are trying to save the bullet people and the villagers like every single one of them is actively putting themselves in danger to try and save villagers which is great but you guys you brought the damn droids to the village (laughs) yes yes (laughs) maybe maybe land somewhere else Mm. Mm -hmm. maybe just go right to your ship because respectfully, you you didn't say it in in great language, but you were already talking about how inadequate these individuals were going to be able to fight. Mm-hmm. So our big critique here is like, Bad Batch, are you possibly inadvertently actually consciously using them almost as a human shield? There are certain times in Rebels in particular that come to mind where they avoid Kanan this. and Ezra. Yeah. Yes, exactly. There were way better ways of handling this situation. Yeah. And they had already, like, why were they flying there? If they had flown right to their ship, the Techno Union most likely would not have attacked the Politech people. They land there 
in the village. And then are like, oh, yeah, well, I guess now the, the droids are going to come and attack the bullet tech people. So I guess we have to stay and protect them. It's like, yep. guys, is anyone thinking? Anyone? And I, and I mean, I, I really like justifying my fandoms, either justifying <laughs> them or ignoring problem areas. Because I just right. I just like enjoying the ride yes. sometimes. Yes. And there definitely is a concern even though we're podcasters, if I can push back against <laughs> the essence of us existing, sometimes mm-hmm. it's just like just shh and enjoy the experience. Yes. But I, I will say maybe there's that kind of I'm totally reaching here. All right. But bear <laughs> bear with me as I reach. Maybe it's one of those things where the Bad Batch are like, listen, the Politech are like, we don't want to be involved. So we had to pull a Jon Snow gets a White Walker, <laughs> brings it down to Cersei. Do you see that they're yes. here now? Join us, even yes. though some of you will die kind of mm-hmm. thing. Yep. I know this I'm reaching w- here, folks. You're not. But like, this is where we needed that connection of the Techno Unit has been kidnapping their people. Yeah. Yeah. So, okay. So, so let's justify it further with, with additional fandoms. Shouts to Kinfolk lore who -hmm. cover his dark materials. Maybe this is kind of like the kidnapping thing that Mm -hmm. we're not going to talk about. We're just going to say, go check out Kinfolk Mm -hmm. lore. So maybe that's what's going on here. And it just wasn't fleshed out Mm -hmm. enough question mark because of that decimator deleted scene. Yeah. Yeah. They had more time. 19 minutes. They could have added that two to three minute scene and it would have explained so much more for the episode. The the problem is Disney just doesn't have the resources to take the time to go back and do those things. She said totally (laughs) sarcastically and... (laughs) It's not like um, they have big piles of Scrooge McDuck money that they're yeah. swimming through. Mm-mm. Mm-mm. Let's return our focus once again to the bad feeling regarding Echo and what might mm. be happening to mm-hmm. him. Because, again, spoiler, we see Rex in Rebels. We do not see Echo. Nope, we do not. Cue tears once more. Yeah. Okay, so this is going to be a longer section here because we have a lot to cover with Echo. The basic point of this whole episode was to show us Echo and his mind frame, his physicality. And I think that's the important part that we're going to get in the next episode for the finish of this arc. So I'm going to start out with the the thought that gave me the most foreboding was the exact end of this episode where Echo is having this conversation with Rex as they're getting onto the Bad Bad ship. Echo, quote, thanks for coming after me. Rex, that's what brothers do. I'm just sorry it took so long. Hopefully it's going to be just like old times. Echo, after he watches Rex get on the ship. Yeah, just like old times. Cue all of the sinister music. And then D. Bradley Baker's line delivery here has me concerned. Yeah. That something else is going on. Echo's relatively fast recovery from the stasis chamber. Like at first, Rex said he was too weak to walk. So Tech and Rex are supporting him. Then he's strong enough to cross the beam to try and get to the landing pad. Not much later. And he fights pretty well against the droids. He is up on a plateau, kind of out of harm's way. And after I was he's super shoot- impressed. Yeah, he was doing <laughs> like, great. How are he's you, looking great how out are there, you guys. Standing, my guy. Yes. How like, is he standing? Cool. Those there robot was... legs actually yes. might be a come up. Yes, they might be. They, it's a glow up with this cyborg legs. 
But then there was a tiny moment where after they were kind of swooped down on by the droids where Crosshair actually grabbed Echo's shoulder to steady him. Mm, So maybe mm -hmm. there is some still unsteadiness going on. But my guy, looking great out there. Yeah, looking great. Looking fit. Like super trim. Just just doing great. That, that emaciation is really doing <laughs> It is <laughs> really. looking like a vampire. Is It's a great look for Echo. <laughs> and then also, Echo has some pretty good lines this episode, too. He's really yeah. funny. So there's one part where they're on this plateau, and the little, the, the I shouldn't say little, they're freaking enormous, the huge tripod droids are attacking, and yep. Anakin has to go and try and incapacitate them. And Echo's just kind of sitting there, like, smiling, shaking his head. And he says, still showing off, huh, General? And Anakin, just like smug little shit that he is, says, you know me, Echo, before he dives headfirst off the cliff. <laughs> and, and speaking of showing off, if any of you are wondering what that adorable sound is, oh, God, that's is Colleen's can hear cat. Him? <laughs> yeah, that's Colleen's kitty boy also showing off. Very, very yes. flashy. Yeah, Duncan is a diva. <laughs> Yeah, we know. <laughs> that was not planned. <laughs> it is not, not planned. planned. <laughs> he is voicing his discontent. Yeah, I don't know what he's up to. He's just being a diva. I'm going to get back to our boy Echo and our boy, another freaking drama king, Anakin Skywalker. Yep. So friend of the pod, Tori, had suggested to me that Echo might know about Order 66 or at least be aware that something is going on and he's going to maybe try to spread the word of this to the other clones. So it's like, is Echo the one who convinces Rex to remove his chip? And will Palpatine somehow order pre-Vader Anakin to kill Echo because of what Echo knows? And you had brought up whether this was like a Bran Stark thing, like if Echo has visions kind of... Right, right. One of the things that you see in fantasy and or sci-fi literature is this idea of someone getting a Matrix-like download Mm -hmm. of information. And based on what Echo tells the crew, that's exactly what's happened to him. Somehow Mm -hmm. he's got all of Techno Union's plans up there in his brain. But perhaps we're going to see it slowly revealed over these next few episodes as Echo is probed to think on certain things. Mm-hmm. I expect, but hey, I would be happy to have assumptions proved wrong because I love surprises. <laughs> yes. That once Echo is told to look for something much like Bran Stark, he can then find it. Yeah. But without necessarily thinking of it. He's got way too much flipping information yeah. up there mm-hmm. to just be able his, to sort through it. He's got too many it. tabs open. Yeah. So so sometimes this is me pushing back against critiques that may not mm-hmm. even exist yet. But mm-hmm. the idea that like someone who emerges from a stasis chamber immediately is like, let me download everything <laughs> to you and somehow have you believe me even though my mind has been taken over. Like, right. Y'all, let's slow down. Let's see what happens to our bro. Mm -hmm. Um, But I'm hoping and thinking that this is just one of those things where hello plot device we're we're going to be developing over these next few episodes. And I think this is going to be the crux of a lot of the action. Exactly. Because we don't know how far the Techno Union cracked open Echo's head. I'm guessing yeah. they went pretty far. So if they know about this weird tumory looking thing in his head and have it on file, Echo is going to know about it and he's going to tell Rex about it if the subject comes up. 
And we don't know if they took it out yet either. What's your kind? Well, what's kind of our tinfoil theory on Mm. what we expect to see? So like, Mm -hmm. guys, if this is not what you're interested in, come back to us in maybe two ish minutes but this isn't a leak because we don't know this is just a guess yeah this is a guess what's Mm -hmm. what's your guess colleen everything's going to go absolutely well and echo's gonna Mm -hmm. skip back it's all gonna be sunshine and rainbows just joy and lollipops and little birds flying around no guys hell to the no (laughs) our guess is that echo will not be able to reacclimate into his regular life as a clone We think the other clones won't trust him. The Jedi Council won't trust him necessarily. The Republic won't trust him, especially Palpatine is going to be like, "Mm, let's get this fucking guy out of here. They're, I mean, the clones, a lot of them died because of Echo's mind-controlled intelligence leaks. He won't necessarily be welcomed back. Rex is one of the only ones alive who has a connection, a personal connection to Echo. And some of them will probably call him a traitor. So our tinfoil theory is that our adorable little skeletal poor cyborg Echo guy is going to end up as the fifth member of the Bad Batch. Yeah. Because if the Bad Batch likes anything, it's somebody who is different. Yeah. And Echo literally does look a little bit like a Swiss Army knife these days. (laughs) He does. Yeah. And he's, (laughs) we haven't seen it yet. Except for the escape route, mm-hmm. he's he might be able to battle tech from a wits knowledge mm-hmm. standpoint, and so yeah. I'm excited. We'll mm-hmm. we'll see what happens, but I'm excited um, for something that I'm not necessarily excited about, <laughs> and definitely have totally a bad feeling about. This is one that I totally I I credit you with, Colleen. Again, with the idea of hopefully this episode is planting seeds that just aren't growing yet in 18 mm-hmm. minutes. Mm-hmm. Our last bad feeling is the quote from Anakin talking with a Politech chief saying, the Jedi will always have an ally here on Skako, uh, Skako Minor. Mm-hmm. Um, Anakin, <laughs> how how long do you plan on staying a Jedi? And mm. will your statement always apply indefinitely? Yeah. Colleen, mm-hmm. what's your bad, <laughs> what's your yeah. bad take? And so who helped us with it? Ugh. So the Politech chief, yeah. Like, dude, don't give Anakin a freaking blanket invitation to come back to your <laughs> planet. I know he seems really cool right now. Hunter even says you can't compete with a Jedi because the Politech people were like, oh, sweet. The Jedi saved us. Yay. <laughs> like, yay. Like, what are you doing? So our friend Matt thinks that this kind of dangling plot thread might be part of one of the next video games it could be part of the sequel to jedi fallen order and that is about after order 66 some of the jedi are surviving and fleeing and they're trying to find force sensitive children basically to protect them from vader and the inquisitors the main character cal kestis he spoiler alert video game spoiler alert big beep 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 beep, step back Reverse. Don't, don't listen if you want to play and be totally surprised. <laughs> so Cal Kestis faces Vader at the end of the first game. He could flee to Skeko Minor if he knows there's a Force-sensitive person there. And Vader would know 
that territory and that terrain, and he could follow Cal there or send an Inquisitor after him, which then will lead to probably the full-scale slaughter of the rest of the Politech people if there are any left. So, Chieftain, don't just tell Anakin fucking Skywalker that he's welcome to come back to your planet whenever he wants. Yeah, remember that first gut feeling? If I don't know your biology, <laughs> mm-hmm. so I don't want to make assumptions, mm-hmm. sir. But remember that time when you were like, please don't bring war to my planet. And then mm-hmm. war came not only to your planet, but directly on your front door and mm-hmm. Anakin and those guys. And then you were like, no, 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 no. Just come back whenever. Yeah, it's cool. Check yourself. Come sit on the patio. We got drinks. Yeah. Oh, it's going to be. I'm. I'm a little bit concerned about the bad feeling of a bloodbath mm-hmm. somewhere between post order 66, mm-hmm. which we know ain't going to be good, mm-hmm. and pre original trilogy. So, yeah. Matt, way to go, my guy. Whether mm-hmm. or not this pans out, it's totally, totally plausible. Yes. It's a right great here theory. and now. Yep. Mm-hmm. And so you win the episode when it comes to a good little fan theory. Mm-hmm. Colleen, switching to our next segment. Who won the episode, the best, best car? Who did the best outer rim and inner rim core job performance? Excellent. All right. So we're going to start with the outer rim. Per usual. This one was a little harder because the animation is still beautiful. The product, the production design, stunning. Voice work, excellent. But we didn't want to rehash that again. So for all the research we've been doing for this pod, I have to give a shout out to the Wikipedia.com. And that's Wookie as in Chewbacca. Wikipedia.com for all of their insights, information, articles on these episodes. They are fantastic at the deep cuts. They have original information on all the rough cut episodes that make up the Bad Batch. They do some leaks a little bit, but they're not really big on that. They're not a Reddit thread. Moving now to the core, since this was an episode that was largely simply a continuation of E2, Mm -hmm. but we see some character development, Mm -hmm. um, kind of our three people, if well... Three entities, if you will. Yes. It's kind of like from the Bad Batch overall, Tech and Wrecker did fantastic. Yes. Great showing. Yeah. So for Tech, we're like, yo, that whistle to get the Kyrodex, not necessarily (laughs) best, best car material, but really, really great work with that Mm -hmm. and unhooking Echo. Mm -hmm. Dragging Echo's ass up that pipe. Like, good job, dude. And so Wrecker came in kind of a close second for us mm-hmm. because he really, really showed up. First of all, I don't know how you had the strength to make that <laughs> Octo Walker save. Mm-hmm. That was pretty insane. But you, quote unquote, saved the chief and another Politech there. Mm-hmm. You did a cr- you, you saved one of your brothers in arms crosshair from mm-hmm. falling. My guy scared of heights. Yes, yeah, he you dove. In? He dove off of the freaking cross beam to yes. save crosshair even though he's Insane. terrified saves everyone from the decimator by mm-hmm. throwing in throwing them up the vent destroys stasis chambers seems mm-hmm. willing to stay behind huge character development and throwing team members rex and hunter up onto the octodroid to destroy it and so like that wow. was hysterical i loved yeah. every time he's throwing people i was just 
busting laughing. Yeah, so like Wrecker, I am now smitten. I'm officially mm-hmm. smitten. Wrecker, like Disney, you did your job. I'm I'm Team Wrecker. Yep. You go, my guy. Mm-hmm. And we really, really, really wanted to give him the best, best car. Mm-hmm. But Colleen, handle our winner. Who yes. was it who took it away this episode? Who else really could have won this episode? He's the focus. He gets most of the great screen time humor credit. We got to give it to our boy Echo. Yep. He escapes. Like he yep. he gets away from the techno union. Property escaped. His attitude is fantastic. He inserts himself into that computer with his little kind of droid R2 attachment to his cybernetic arm. Yeah, I liked that a lot. That was that very That was a cool detail. Like he's he's going to be able to do stuff faster, I think, than tech in that aspect. He's oh. also I know. So he's Tech will be like the research guy. Tech will be research and Echo will be the one that can jack into all the computer stuff. Yeah. Cool, cool, cool. And part of the part of the awesome episode, you notice right before they go and fly away, you can see Echo's breath. He's Mm -hmm. pretty much still naked. Everyone (laughs) else is roped up like (laughs) someone pass our guy a shirt. Anything. Can he have a robe? Anything. (laughs) A towel, a blanket, pale. Hunter's bandana. Anything. Yes. <laughs> Hunter's bandana to just like drape over his shoulders a little bit. Yes. <laughs> Let's yeah. give our boys something to wear. But he doesn't say anything. He's not whining about it. He is the first to follow Anakin jumping off the beam onto the Kyrdax. He follows Anakin first out onto the beam. When Rex is giving his impassioned speech, he just stands there tall, very soldier-like, and lets the politics see what was done to him. He shows that sense of humor multiple times. He fights with the crew during the battle. Like, our guy. I'm glad to have him back. Mm -hmm. I am glad. He shows I'm nervous, but I'm glad. Mm -hmm. I'm going to take this victory. And he's grown so much, too, from his original episodes of just being repeater guy. He is now original. Like, he's an original guy. Yeah, you're right. He's an original content echo now. Mm -hmm. You're totally right. Our boy claps. And so join us again next week as we geek out together about Clone Wars Season 7, Episode 4, when we're finishing that micro arc and we Mm -hmm. get to kind of look back on the past three. Until then, please keep letting other awesome geeks who love exploring Star Wars know about BGS. Again, send us questions you want answered during the the Master and Apprentice section by emailing us at BGS following us and reaching out to us on Twitter, Instagram, and just frankly, join us. Get deeper involved in our shared geeky community in a galaxy close, close, close to your ears and our hearts. Colleen, take us out with that last (laughs) important line. Thank you so much, listeners. Sabers up and keep those episodes streaming. Sick and tired of lackluster locks? Afraid your beard will become a tangled mess while vacationing on Skyco Minor with your mates? Fear the frizz no more with Obi Wax, beard wax for the gentleman's Jedi. Just because the weather's unruly doesn't mean your facial hair has to be. It's so uncivilized. Look into the mirror and say, Oh, hello there. Without embarrassment. Obi Wax Beard Wax for the Gentleman's Jedi. Yes! I love it so much!
was some show you put on just now. Just doing our job, Captain. 